welcome to the first episode of the last fight of Hong Kong and all that. I'm your host, Liberty. This podcast will give you a walkthrough on different topics and people surrounding the Hong Kong protests since 2019. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and share this podcast to your friends. Now, please enjoy our first episode, The Fall of One Country, Two Systems. To dive into the origin of the 2019 anti-extradition bill protest in Hong Kong, we must understand the broad concept of one country, two systems. Hong Kong has been a British crown colony since 1842. During the colonial era, the territory had expanded with Kowloon, New Territories, and the 250 other outlying islands. After the Second World War, the world had gone through a phase of decolonization, with different places being independent by different means. This sense of decolonization had also grown to Hong Kong, which was administered by Britain and Macau by the Portuguese. The Yang Plan in 1946, named after then-governor Mark Yang, was an attempt on constitutional reform by introducing representative democracy in colonial Hong Kong. This was the first idea on having increased democracy in Hong Kong as the territory status as a colony, not a dominion as covered by the Statue of Westminster. This proposal was to give Hong Kong people a greater share of managing their own affairs with an elected majority with powers and autonomy over all urban services. This scheme, however, was opposed to the transfer of power to the new body, the existing Legislative Council, with majority members being appointed, and in addition to the fear of the potential of penetration by Communist China. This was the last move towards any form of major electorally based government until in the 1980s during the Sino-British negotiations on Hong Kong's sovereignty. With the expiration of the Convention for the Extension of Hong Kong Territory that was coming up in 1997 for the 99-year lease of the new territories, Governor Mary McLehose visited Peking, which is now Beijing, in March 1979 and began the first formal talk on the future of Hong Kong. This had resulted in the signing of the Sino-British Joint Declaration between the United Kingdom and the People's Republic of China, signed by then Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and Premier Zhao Ziyang. The declaration was the foundation of now new mini-constitution of Hong Kong basic law and a promise of the term, one country, two systems. Quoting from the Joint Declaration, the current social and economic systems in Hong Kong will remain unchanged, and so will be the lifestyle. Rights and freedoms, including those of the freedom of speech, of the press, of assembly, association, travel, movement, of correspondence, of strike, or choice of occupation, even academic research and religious belief will be ensured by the law and the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region. The Declaration also promised Hong Kong would enjoy a high degree of autonomy, except 
in foreign and defense affairs. This was promised to be unchanged for 50 years after the handover. To translate, this declaration was to ensure that Hong Kong would have its own government, legislature, and judicial body. Hong Kong will continue to have a Westminster-style legislative council, a justice system with British common law, with overseas judges and lawyers instead of the civil law code with judges and lawyers from China. Hong Kong will continue to have their own currency, customs, border services, police, the education system, international membership, and even their own Olympic team. Hence, the term one country, two systems, it was and still a unique system in the world where a communist regime has a territory that is running solely on capitalism and none of its control was off limits. However, if all of these have been working, this podcast would not exist, nor would there be an ongoing protest in Hong Kong. So the real test had begun at midnight on 1st of July, 1997. As Union Jack was lowered and the former governor of Chris Patton and the Prince of Wales had embarked on a Britannia and sailed away from the territory at 12 midnight, all of the government buildings with the crown were replaced along with the flags and a portrait of the queen. The police had changed their badges along with most organizations in the territory. The royal titles were all abolished except one of the places. Troops of the People's Liberation Army also came through the Lobo border and a change of guards ceremony was done between the British garrison and the now PLA garrison at the Prince of Wales building, now the People's Liberation Army building. Apart from that, nothing seems to be out of the ordinary to the normal people other than some celebrations. Yet the promise of the two systems had seen its decline slowly. This had started with some of the court decisions that the territory's own court of final appeal were being ignored and were brought up directly from the Hong Kong government to the National People's Congress Standing Committee for a reinterpretation despite having different legal systems. I'll not go into harsh details on other small events since this will increase the complexity of this podcast, nor they are as major. All right. Fast forward to the 2010s, where most part of the promise started to turn sour. During 2014, with Beijing's adding a new appendix on the existing basic law on universal suffrage, this had sparked a mass protest called the Umbrella Movement that had lasted 79 days, which we will talk about it in the future. If you have noticed, 2014 is also the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Joint Declaration. Therefore, the British Foreign Affairs Select Committee was planning to come to Hong Kong to do the inquiry to overlook the progress of the implementation of the Declaration and see if one country, two systems is still valid. The group was forced to commit the inquiry remotely in the UK because they were denied by China from entering the territory. 
So that's the question. If Hong Kong has their own border services, government decisions and being treated as a free port, why can China ban such a group from entering a territory it promised to keep its hands off? And to make things worse, the chairman of the committee, Richard Ottaway, revealed that Chinese officials consider the joint declaration is now void and only covered the period from the signing in 1984 until the handover in 1997. This has been a constant tactic that the Chinese government has been using as claiming the declaration is now a historical document and has finished its historical duty since 1997. And it is up to China to allow the level of autonomy in Hong Kong. The first public outcall by Britain of the violation of the Joint Declaration was in 2016, after the Causeway Bay book's disappearance. This was a series of international disappearance of five staff members of Causeway Bay books in the late 2015. All five of them respectively disappeared in mainland China, Thailand, and Hong Kong, and eventually revealed to be in China without the travel documents necessary to have crossed the border through legal channels, two of which were Swedish and British nationals. Many of them had then appeared on Chinese national television and claimed the disappearance as due to their guilt and were using their own means to travel to China to face the consequences. Apart from Lan Wing Ki, the only one who was helped to expose abduction when being allowed to return to Hong Kong for three days to cancel his own missing persons report with the police. He was the only one that escaped and is currently living in Taiwan. The other four are believed to be still under detention in China. Because this case had involved five Hong Kong citizens, with some of them being abducted from Hong Kong and to be detained in China. This had shown that China did not respect the differences of jurisdiction between Hong Kong and China. Therefore, it was a violation of the declaration and one country, two systems promise. About this incident, though, a more detailed story will be published in the future episodes. So for the climax of all, of course, that will be the ongoing Hong Kong protest that have begun as the anti-extradition bill protest, with millions of protesters and global protesters going against the extradition bill. The Chinese government had responded with Chinese state propaganda threatening the direct intervention of PLA in Hong Kong and increased state-funded counter-strategies in Hong Kong and around the world. This has sparked the international world to raise two eyebrows and have a closer look on a degree of freedom in Hong Kong. For some countries, such as the United States, had begun a tearing on Hong Kong's situation and passed the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. 
This had sparked a global effort to impose the Magnitsky Law to Hong Kong officials who were in cahoot to deter the human rights in Hong Kong. For the whole anti-extradition bill protest itself, that will be done in multiple future episodes since it is a very long, complex, and ongoing incident in Hong Kong. Now back to this story. The final draw of all, of course, was when China had marked Hong Kong protesters as rebels, an implied threat of persecution of Hong Kong protesters and the people speaking up their mind in a turf by passing the National Security Law and the National Security Congress within a week in late May. This really means one thing. China passing a legislation by passing the people of Hong Kong and the legislative body of Hong Kong. This really just completely ignored the two systems and also had implied the threat of rights and freedoms of the people of Hong Kong. So in response, President Donald Trump of the United States had declared that the one country, two systems had been replaced as one country, one system. The British Prime Minister, in response, expressed opposition to China by implementing the national security law that simply would go against the terms of the declaration. Therefore, they announced that if the Chinese went ahead with it, the United Kingdom would extend the British National Overseas Passport Holders' rights of 3 million Hong Kong residents and that would open a route for them to become British citizens. In response, China of course threatened the UK and reiterated its belief that as soon as the handover was complete, that declaration, what declaration you meant, effectively had become void. This in all had symbolized the great fall of the promise, one country, two systems. Hence the name, the fall of one country, two systems in this episode. A great thank you to all of you listening to this podcast. Please share this episode to others if you like it. Feel free to suggest a topic or provide any feedback. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Last Fight of Hong Kong and all that. I'm your host, Liberty. Until next time.